Welcome to Solo 2.0, an empowerment podcast hosted by two sisters living in LA, making their way through the health and wellness world. I'm Ryan Birch. And I'm Jess Dukan. Each week, we're committed to bringing you conversations with risk-taking, resilient guests from diverse backgrounds, interviews with experts on controversial or misunderstood topics that will expand your perspective, and lively roundtable discussions with our mom, hormone health educator, Candace Birch. We're driven to provide the support and motivation needed to ignite growth, confidence, and purpose so you can step into that 2.0 version of you. We can't wait to dig into these conversations and hope you'll join us every week for a new episode. Let's get into it. Welcome to the Solo 2.0 podcast. I'm Ryan. I'm the co-founder of Your Hormone Balance. And I'm Jess, holistic health coach and founder of Body Bliss by Jess. With the holidays right around the corner, we thought it would be really fun to do an episode on clean wine alternatives so you can still partake in all the celebrating but not feel so run down afterwards or get a migraine like I used to when I drink red wine and champagne. Studies have shown that people drink double the amount they usually do during the holidays and that they're 69% more likely to socialize during this time. Obviously, this means more boozy times, especially with Thanksgiving and Christmas dinner, holiday parties, and New Year's champagne toast. So we're all about helping people find alternatives that can help them bounce back faster and support them in their wellness goals without having to go to the extreme. Because let's be honest, Ryan and I are not giving up wine to achieve the quote unquote perfect body, and you shouldn't have to either. And of course, if you don't drink, then that's great too, and you don't have to worry about this. True that. So for this episode, we decided to bring on Andrea Leclerc, who is a wine enthusiast and scout and seller, clean crafted wine consultant, sharing the beauty of vino without chemical additives and added sugar. As a full-time paramedic for 10 years, Andrea has seen firsthand the effects of living an unhealthy lifestyle, which has further fueled her passion for the fitness and wellness world. She has a love for educating fellow wine drinkers on the benefits of clean wine and is confident that most people would make a different choice if they knew the truth about what's really lurking in their wine bottles. Andrea says she wants people to know that there are better options out there and that you don't have to deprive yourself of life's pleasures. In fact, you can actually fit them into a healthy lifestyle. So with that, let's get into our pearl of wisdom for the week. And Jess, why don't you start? Sure. So my pearl is to practice mindful eating with drinking. So basically mindful drinking. Um, I talk a lot about the power of mindful eating and just what a difference it can make when you take the time to slow down. You know, we live in a really fast-paced culture. We're eating food while we're on the go. Um, We're slurping down, you know, big drinks while we're on the go. We're eating and drinking in front of our desks. We're eating and drinking in front of the TV. We're just always on to the next thing. And I think a lot of times we aren't really even aware of what we've just eaten or what we've had for a drink, whether it's alcoholic or not, um, because we're just so rushed and it can make a world of difference when you just decide to take one meal or you take one drink out somewhere away from distractions, away from your computer screen, away from your phone, even away from other people, because that can also be distracting and just take time to enjoy that moment. And I think that you can really do this with a glass of wine. Um, I think when we get really social and we're at a party 
or we're at a celebration or a wine tasting and get really excited and kind of go off of that energy. And, and before you know it, you're on to drink three and it's only been an hour and it's like, wait, what did I even drink? Did I like that wine? Was it good? Same kind of thing with food. It's like you scarf down a sandwich, but you're talking the whole time or you're watching a show and maybe there's an intense scene and it's like, I don't even know if I liked that sandwich and now I want something else after it. Same thing with the drinks. I don't even know what that drink tasted like. I need another one because it's already gone. I want something to hold because it's a social cue. I know I remember in college, I used to feel like the second my drink was done, I just felt awkward and I had to like run to the bar and get another one so that I could fit in. It was just like this weird thing. I didn't know what to do with my hands. So take your glass of wine, whether it's from the restaurant bar or maybe you're drinking it out of your bottle at the table or maybe you're wine tasting or you're at a club and just sip it slowly, take in the flavors, swish it around in your mouth. Um, you don't have to do it in a pretentious way. I'm not saying to like tell us about like the notes of walnuts and tennis Coffee. balls yeah, <laughs> that are in it, but just take your time with it and then take a bite of food. If you're eating with it, you know, how does that food taste with that glass of wine, engage in conversation, talk to the people that you're with. Um, you know, that's why you're there, right. Is to have fun with whoever you're with. And if you're by yourself, it's that also can be a moment that you savor for longer. And maybe you take a glass of water and you drink that in between each drink and just enjoy the experience. Um, and, and see what a difference you notice. And I think it can be really helpful and not only, um, creating more presence around that social environment, but, you know, not drinking as much. So you don't feel as crappy later or as hungover the next day or potentially get those guilty feelings because maybe you went a little overboard, which there's totally a time and place for that. And I think that we all need to do that sometimes, but, um, I don't think it needs to be all the time. So I think mindful drinking, taking a moment to slow down and just really, Give yourself, but your body time to digest and enjoy the moment. Yeah. So speaking of overboard drinking, that's <laughs> literally the weekend I just came off of. Well, there you go. Um, you know, and I just want to be honest about it because I think it happens. Like some people don't drink, and I, I think that's amazing, and I really admire that. But I, I do enjoy wine, and I am a mm -hmm. social person, and I do have trips, you know, where that's around. And this particular weekend I just came off of was at University of Oregon. I went down with a group of friends. Tailgate. You know, it's like, it's like, yeah, flashback to how we were in college. We're tailgating. We had Airbnbs where there's like 14 of us, you know, and it's an environment where can't really, I mean, okay, I could be mindful for sure. And I was as mindful as I could be, but it's not as easy to be mindful in right. terms of like, removing yourself and like just having the drink alone. It's like everyone is always around, but I think there are some things you can certainly do in mm -hmm. those settings. And like, you know, I think a lot of people get caught up having too many drinks because you feel like you need something in your hand when you're at a bar or whatever. And, you know, it's just reminding yourself to switch to water, getting enough water in there, having maybe some other drinks in the home, like sparkling water. Sometimes I pour a little wine and add a little sparkling water. Ooh, so it yeah, lasts like a longer. Spritzer, that's a really good tip. I didn't do that as much this trip, <laughs> but, um, I Your definitely, self. I definitely have many times and it just, I think it is a mental thing. It's like you're, as soon as your glass is full, I drink everything really fast, like and mm -hmm. non-alcoholic, whatever. It's just like, it's just a thing that I do. And so I filling it back up with other fluids that are healthier are great. And so, you know, and that's the other side of this. I, I'm, you know, I could feel, I think especially in LA, like in the health and wellness world, there's a lot of, 
sometimes I feel guilty that I do even drink, mm-hmm. but I, I actually don't think that it negatively impacts my life. I think it is a social thing. I think I have a good control over it. And there are these really occasional, really fun weekends that I think everybody, if you're being honest with yourself and if you are someone that drinks, like we all have these weekends and I think occasions will happen and, and sometimes they're totally worth it. And, and I, you know, then they are, I mean, I love, love tailgating games. And so I think it's just doing what you can to get enough water in those situations where I'm talking about, like, it's really, really hard to be, you know, taking your time and you're constantly surrounded by people. But I also use the Ultima electrolyte powders which um, I actually, I guess I got onto them before you, Jess, but then you were talking about them too because my really. acupuncturist told me to take them. Are you trying to take credit? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Cool. You know, something that's my own for once. <laughs> she tells me what to do. So what to eat, what to drink. No. Fine. You can have that. Yeah. No. So that one I happened to come across before you and I love the lemonade flavor. They have multiple flavors, but you know, especially with drinking these, you know, electrolytes replenish the nutrients that you're losing or the electrolytes you're losing, like sodium, magnesium, and potassium. It also helps you keep from feeling dehydrated. And I was not hungover at all this weekend. I was able to come back. We did some work for the podcast last night, and I attribute that to having these electrolyte powders, having more water. And I also just stopped myself from keeping it going when other people were still going. Cause I just knew like there needs to be breaks and also mm-hmm. like not going way too late into the night. So I think those are great. I mean, honestly, it's like, sometimes it is just about the little things you can do. It's knowing realistically, I'm going to tailgate when else are you ever going to do that? Probably not yeah. for another, maybe never, but maybe not for another year or something. Yeah. And I do think I agree with what you're saying about how you kind of feed off the energy. So if people are going to the bar and ordering another drink, they're like, everyone, come on. Yeah. But you could get a soda water with a lime. And if anyone asks, I mean, if you're real nervous about it, just say it's tequila soda. Yeah. No one's going to care. You can do your own thing or just say like, I'm having a soda water right now. And no one should care. No one should care. And if they do. It's just getting comfortable yourself in that. Exactly. But it's like what you need to say yeah. to do it for yourself. It is If it is that you say it's a tequila soda, whatever, you know, that's fine. If it yeah. is that you own that you're having a soda water, great. But, and this might be a tip that can go, (laughs) that can go the other way, but I also made plans with my best friend who lives in Eugene currently to get coffee pretty early in the morning. And that also was something that helped me keep it in check the night before. I was Mm -hmm. like, I know that I'm going to be meeting her. I know that we have a full game day ahead. I don't need to go crazy the night before as well. And that worked really well for me. Sometimes I know you can make those plans and then you get carried away and then you hate yourself for it. But I think sometimes, or, you know, one of the girls in our group often gets up and goes for a run in the morning. And I used to always be like, you are crazy. Mm -hmm. And I still haven't necessarily done that, but you know, you're really good about that on trips. Just like go for a walk around the neighborhood, get in some movement. Get the blood flow moving. And that's ultimately like what Tara and I did. We, you know, had a little walk, we had some coffee and just to start the day that way, instead of like falling into that hungover state or decide, it's kind of a mental thing sometimes when you decide you're hungover instead Mm -hmm. of just getting up and forcing yourself out of the house, you feel so much better. You really do. And it can be that the whole next day is, it doesn't have to be that it's like, oh, now I get a whole hangover day and I'm going to be eating like greasy pizza and hair at the dog and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. It can be that it's just, it's a new day. Yeah. Um, And one, one other thing, right, that I feel like you're good about is making sure that you're eating full meals and eating well 
while you're drinking. I think some people kind of save up for the alcohol and don't really eat dinner, you know, skip mm. dinner. And it's like that. Yeah, we had rotisserie chicken and pita chips. So there that you was, go. <laughs> that was a really good dinner. But no, you usually, ate. usually I am. Yeah, I definitely don't go without meals. Um, but yeah, it, I think it's super important not to just drink and be like trying to stay. What's the chicken pita chip dinner? It's. I thought it was good. I thought it was good. Just, you know, ripping off pieces of chicken from the rotisserie chicken and putting it on a pita chip. And then you have like 15 sandwiches. Mini, really good. Mini sandwiches. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it, it wasn't really. But, you know, desperate times. You're, you know, no, you can't get in for dinner anywhere in a college town at that time. So true. It was fun. It actually but- sounds pretty good. I'm not lying. <laughs> I'd have you make that for me one night. Yeah, but... Anyway, we just hope to give a little perspective on the balance, you know, and, and giving yourself a little grace when you do have those occasion weekends. And But for the most part, trying to make really smart, uh, informed decisions around alcohol, especially when it's like on a week-to-week basis. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's, it's something that you can absolutely make time to do. You know, Andrea is not a sommelier and she was honest about that. She is a full-time paramedic, but she came to become a consultant for Scout and Cellar and just grew this real passion for uh, understanding wine and what the labels mean and what's clean and and realizing that there was no central site even that helps educate people about this and realizing that her own research could help other people. So, you know, this information is pretty easy to follow and understand. And we hope that you, you know, look up Scout and Cellar and maybe other options out there and educate yourself and, um, you know, make the smartest decision that you can. And uh, with that, we will get into this episode with Andrea. Hi, Andrea. Welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? So good. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm excited to to be here. I know virtually calling in from, you said outside of Charlotte, right? Yes. Yes. So it's great that we were able to set this up and do it this way. I know. I'm so excited. And thank you so much for coming on to help us learn more about clean wine, because as we all know, being in the wellness industry, there can be so much conflicting advice about alcohol you know, one minute we're told that the antioxidants in red wine can be great for anti-aging. And the next we're told that just like a couple sips of alcohol can kick us out of fat burning and halt our weight loss or derail our fitness program. And not to mention the fact that there's so many buzzwords like organic, sustainable, natural floating around, and there's not a lot of mainstream education to back up the benefits. So as a consumer and a wine lover, it can be really confusing. And at the end of the day, we all just want to know how can we keep our red wine and our champagne on New Year's and still age gracefully and feel really good the next day. And what makes it even more confusing is because wine is, it sort of falls under the umbrella of so many different industries. It's partly farming. It's partly FDA. It's partly the Bureau of Alcohol. And so that just helps make it even more confusing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to kick off this episode, we just want to know a little bit to start about your background and how you found out about Scout and Cellar and, you know, where did your affinity for clean wine come from? Did you work in the industry or were you just always a wine lover? Always a wine lover. Um, 
and I am, my day job is a full-time paramedic. So I've been a paramedic for about 10 years. I've always been um, interested in the healthcare industry and helping people in general. I also have always cared a lot about taking care of myself, my fitness, my own eating, and just being healthy in general. And um, there is a girl at my CrossFit gym, I've been doing CrossFit also for about 10 years, who introduced me to Scout and Cellar. Mm-hmm. And prior to that, I would just, I'd work out, I'd work hard in the gym, I'd come home. And even though I knew that my glass of wine was probably loaded with either sugar or additives or stuff I probably really shouldn't be having, I would go ahead and make that sacrifice and have it anyway. But I would always feel like I undid everything I tried to do that day with my clean eating, Mm -hmm. with my working out. But it was just what I accepted was the reality of having my glass of wine. Yeah. And it's interesting how you can feel that way when you, you know, when you're on a healthy kick and it's like those extremes of you either can have alcohol or not at all. And then that throws you into that place of feeling like a piece of crap if you have a glass of wine after, you know, a workout or on the weekends. And I think it's kind of unrealistic to say, you know, you have, you can never drink alcohol if you want to be a fit and healthy person. And I think that's why it's so wonderful that companies like Scout and Cellar are really changing the game when it comes to that industry and creating wines that are clean and organic and biodynamic so that you feel really good about what you're drinking. You know, the quality of the ingredients, the wine at Scout and Cellar, all the Scout and Cellar wines are sugar-free. I know when I drink it, I don't wake up with a hangover, which is amazing. Um, So I would love to have us go in first to, if you can give us like a little bit of a a backstory on Scout and Cellar. Um, What is Scout and Cellar and who founded it? Um, And then we'll go from there. Okay. So Scout and Cellar is a, it's actually a very young company. They just celebrated their second anniversary this past August. So it's very, very young. Um, And it was started by a woman named Sarah. She lives in the Dallas Fort Worth area and she was a full-time attorney, loved her job, but there was always something just telling her that she also loved wine and wanted to do something different. So she left her job as an attorney and studied to become a sommelier. And during her course of study, she would start having these migraines the next day. She would study. She'd maybe open a glass, uh, open a bottle of wine, have even just half a glass of wine while she was studying. And she would wake up with these headaches the next day. Mm -hmm. So she made it her mission. She decided as an attorney as all good attorneys do. They do their research. They do their digging. So she started talking to doctors. She started talking to winemakers, to holistic um, doctors, and was determined to get to the bottom of what was in the wine that was making her feel like junk the next day. And what she found was that there were just gobs of chemicals, of additives, of chemicals that could be added to the wine and none of us know about it because there's no labeling requirements for wine. If it's over 7% alcohol, which most wines are, most wines are 11, 12, 13%. If it is over 7% alcohol, 
they are not, they do not fall under the purview of the FDA and do not have to carry labels for ingredients. Okay. Why is that? Yeah. Um, I think it goes back to the bro- the prohibition days. Um, alcohol became regulated by, and I'll have to look up the exact name. It's the TTB. And I had jotted down here because I can never remember the alcohol and tobacco tax and trade bureau. Um, they regulated alcohol and it all came down to taxes. They wanted to tax the alcohol, regulate the alcohol. Then when the FDA became bigger and more involved in consumer protection with the food industry, um, they took over, I guess, if wine is less than 7% alcohol, for some reason, that's the demarcation. It falls under the purview of the FDA. But if it's above that. Yeah, instead of the TTB. So wines that are less than 7% will have labels because they are obligated to have labels according to the FDA regulations. Oh, how interesting. That is really interesting. The wine you drink is over 7%. So the only labeling that is required is um, with regard to sulfites. Okay. Okay. Well, and we want to get into those specific labels, but we hear the word sulfites a lot too. And I feel like it's one of those things where it's like, oh, this wine is great. It has no sulfites, but does the average person know what a sulfite is? I can tell you for one, I don't quite know how to describe it. Um, Is that something that you could dive into a little bit? And and what is is a sulfite and what does it mean to have low sulfites? Well, sulfites are naturally occurring. in grapes and in the fermentation process. Um, and they are necessary for the stability of the wine. If you had a wine that had absolutely zero sulfites, it would not be very stable. It would probably turn very quickly. The shelf life would be extremely short. So sulfites, there are sulfites that are necessary just to maintain the stability of the wine. But with Scout and Cellar, all of the sulfites in the wine are, first of all, they're naturally occurring. Secondly, they are they are much lower than what is allowed in commercially commercially available wine. So all of the Scout and Cellar wines will have less than 100 parts per million. Most of the wines have less than 50. Whereas if you contrast that with a commercially available wine, they can have up to 350 parts per million. And these so, sulfites essentially being preservatives um, when they're that is. high... Um, can make you feel, can contribute to you having a pretty gnarly hangover the next day, right? They can, and particularly if you're sensitive to sulfites, um, you don't even need to drink that much. If you're drinking a wine that's high in sulfites, you're going to probably feel like crap the next day, regardless of how much you had, even if you didn't have that much. Um, And I think that is one one thing that a lot of people feel like they're sensitive to in wine. And one reason people steer away from wine um, that are high in sulfites is because it just makes them feel, feel bad and gives them that hangover feel the next day, even if they haven't had that much to drink. Yep. And one thing I just wanted to clarify with Scott and Cellar, it's not that they produce their own wines, right? It's that they're identifying these wines from around the world that fit within certain parameters. Yes. It's it's actually a combination. So they, they have a few of, 
a few winemakers that they have partnered with that give them a little more control over the labels and the winemaking process, but they also scout, that's the scout part of Scout and Cellar, they also scout for wines from around the world. So we do have Italian wines, we have Chilean wines, um, we have French wines. I'm actually sipping on one right now. Um, that sounds so nice. Fitting. <laughs> so they they do scout from wines around the world, and they also do have some of their own labels. But regardless of where the wine comes from, whether it's one of their labels or a foreign winemaker, they strictly control what they will sell and put their sticker or their endorsement on. So, yeah, that brings me to my next question. You know, Jess mentioned earlier, there are these terms, natural, raw, organic, biodynamic. We can either go one of two ways with this. You could maybe, if you could explain what those labels mean, or if you can explain just Scout and Seller's criteria, because I think that's, we know they're setting this high standard for the -hmm. cleanest wine. So what is it that they are looking for? Or we can go through those labels if you want to explain I can start with the labels and just give a brief overview because I think that helps people um, know what to look for. Or and yeah. then it also dives back into what we what Scout and Cellar um, provides. All about yeah, right. What we're all about. So there's a lot of I think confusion over organic and biodynamic. I think those are two terms that we hear a lot of and are thrown around interchangeably. Um. All, not all farms, not all vineyards are biodynamic. I mean, yeah, they're not all biodynamic, but all biodynamic farms are organic, but not all organic farms are necessarily biodynamic. So what that means is a biodynamic farm is organic, but they take it one step further. They not only farm organically, but they also incorporate this philosophy of an entire ecosystem working together to basically leave the field better than when they found it. They will incorporate um, livestock, like chickens roaming the vineyards, um, healthy insects that help with the the process with the grapes and the, the flowering. And they just, they take everything as a complete ecosystem. Organic, farms. They don't use chemicals. They don't use pesticides. They don't use any GMO products. So they, a lot of wines that you might find if you're looking on the shelf might say made with organic grapes. So they probably come from an organic vineyard, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the entire process in the fermentation and bottling has been organic. Mm. So that's where it gets tricky. That is, and and that might be a lot of, a lot of information, but when you look at a label on wine, if it says it's organic, it, it may be just made with organic grapes and then it stops there. So how do you know if it's legitimately organic? Is there not a specific label for that? There is for organic. So if, if you see the organic label, there's, um, there's, there are regulations around organic farming. So if they get the organic label, they have satisfied all those requirements. Um, okay. I'm just trying to flip through here to the exact the exact name of the certifying organic label. 
Yeah, Mm -hmm. the USDA National Organic Program. So it takes three years of organic farming to earn that that certification. Wow, okay. So Um, they could be doing it perfectly for three years, but they don't get the certification until they've hit that mark. Correct, so that's my understanding. Um, Same with biodynamic. So uh, biodynamic vineyards are typically organic as well. So they would go through those, that process as well. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the one thing that does have no regulation that I think a lot of people look for, if they do care about their wine, um, and this is a kind of in vogue term that's been thrown around recently is natural wine. Yes. Such a big one. Yes. So with natural wine, they, there is no official or legal classification for natural wine. Um, there is no set of operating procedures like there is with organic. There's no certifying agency that oversees products that label themselves as natural wine. What does natural wine mean? Yeah. Or is it just a complete buzzword? Well, it does. It, it generally does mean that it is organic. Um, like wines generally labeled and sold as natural wine are organic and they generally do not have anything added artificially in the fermentation process. Um, so are, so you, are we just kind of relying on that honesty though, because there is no way to really regulate that and there's no actual label? Yes. Yeah, so, so that was what I was, what I was getting at. So they can, they can legitimately be a natural wine. They can use organic grapes. They can add nothing in the cellar but there's no way to know. And that is the one thing that's different about Scout and Cellar. We lab test twice every wine that we sell. Um, It first goes to, there's a lab, um, a wine testing lab in Napa. And so all of the wines get tested there for the additives that are allowed in commercial wines. The FDA approves up to 350, I think is the number, additives and chemicals for wine. All of our wines go to a testing facility in Napa to make sure there are none of those chemicals and additives in the wine. And then there's a separate testing facility at UC Davis. And I believe that's the facility that tests specifically for glyphosate, which is what is in Roundup. Mm -hmm. And And for those who don't know what Roundup is, can you explain? Yeah, so Roundup is a weed killer that has been in the news quite a bit lately. There have been a number of lawsuits against Monsanto, the manufacturer mm-hmm. of Roundup, um, with allegations that glyphosate, which is one of the ingredients in Roundup that kills the weeds, has caused a variety of different cancers. Um, unfortunately, if it's used in farming, that can get into the product, whether it's the fruits and vegetables you buy at the store, or in this case, it's the grapes in the vineyard. So we specifically test for that. We, um, we will not accept any wines that have any of the normal additives that are approved for wine, or if it tests positive for Roundup. That's pretty incredible. And the thing that's cool too, is that this is, you know, a membership website too. So you can it's almost like being a part of a wine club at a vineyard, but instead it's online. And then you can also order bottles a la carte. So knowing that everything you're getting is of the highest quality, are there any other brands that 
do that. I mean, I know we're talking about Scout and Cellar, but I feel like this is this is at least the first I've seen that has mm-hmm. such a variety of different wines where you can have such flexible membership options as well. And I think that's the one thing that sets us apart with some of the other um, online wine clubs that um, that sell clean wine. Um, you can see, if you log on to our website, you can see every single wine that's available for sale. You can read about each wine. You can read about the vineyard it comes from. And that's one of the things I love about this company. I will be the first at the tastings that I, that I do for people to admit I am not a sommelier. I cannot sip this wine and tell you I taste the notes of pomegranate and tobacco. And, you know, I just can't do that. But one of, the things, yeah, one of the things I love about this company is just learning about all of these family owned vineyards that this wine comes from. Um, and that's one thing you can see on our website. If you go and you can click on the different wines, you can read about each wine. You can decide if it sounds like it's something for you. You can order a la carte, like you mentioned. You don't have to commit to a wine club. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like that. So, Talking about the popularity of clean wine, because I think that this is something that's becoming more of a conversation, thank goodness, and people are becoming privy to it. And I found um, a study that said that according to Google Trends, search volume for natural wines quintupled between June 2014 and June 2018. So I'm wondering why you think this is, and do you think it's going to continue to get more mainstream and easier to access? Because I feel like right now you're lucky if there's one or two organic wines marked on a menu at a restaurant, I have a really hard time finding any. And we're in LA and I feel like there is more access to that kind of thing. I was just going to say, I'm surprised in the LA area, you don't have more of that. Out yeah, it is surprising. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and just to, to your point about the restaurants, I take my wine everywhere I go. If I eat out, you can bring your own wine to most restaurants and just pay a corkage fee. Yeah, and I so, do that too. Yeah, for me personally, I don't mind paying the corkage fee because I know then what I'm drinking, I know what I'm getting versus, like you said, looking at the menu and just hoping they have an organic wine on the menu and that it's in the varietal that you like to drink. Yep, exactly. I know my husband and I will take the bottle out, pay the corkage fee, and it ends up, at least in LA or bigger cities that are more expensive, it ends up being the same price or even a little bit cheaper than if you were to buy a bottle on the menu. And then you feel so much better the next day. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Oh, I just lost my train of thought. (laughs) Well, I was, we were just asking, yeah, just why do you think that yeah, the trend towards natural wine and the search engines for it are increasing so quickly. And it seems like it's potentially becoming a little bit more mainstream. Do you think that that's true? And and why do you think that is? I think that in general, the, the population, I think people are becoming more and more educated just in general about clean food, clean eating, um, chemicals and preservatives, um, I think more people are reading labels at the grocery store. I think more people are just becoming aware and demanding transparency from what they eat and what they put in their bodies. And I think the wine industry has maybe been slow to catch up to that trend, but I think it is catching on. And I think that's why people are, like you said, Googling it more and trying to find alternatives. Um, 
And yeah. it's been so hard because there aren't labels on the wines in the store. I feel like the consumer has to do so much work to figure it out when it comes to wine. That's pretty crazy. We had a clean, uh, clean living consultant on our podcast before, before you, and it's the same deal there. Just looking at brands and products that have a lot of toxic chemicals in them that are not properly labeled. There's really no regulations around it. So, you know, people are having to, it's like new job descriptions are being created to, you know, being a consultant and an educator, helping consumers understand what they're looking for because the brands aren't doing it and the government's not regulating it. So sort of like, that's what you're doing as well. And it's, it's so important that this is becomes a simple science for us because until there are regulations for us to be able to go to a store and easily know what we're looking for. So I wanted to go back just because um, on the label side of thing, there were a couple more labels I wanted to ask about yes. before we go. Um, I, I want to go into the sugar-free side of this whole thing too, which is really okay. interesting. Um, but what about late or buzzwords like sustainable or raw? What does that mean? I'm not as familiar. I'll be honest with you about the raw um, label. And I, I just haven't seen that much of it yeah. as it applies to wine. Um, sustainable, I think, is just has to do with the farming practices. They um, just have to farm the land in a way that doesn't completely strip it and leave it, you know, turning into a dust bowl in a decade. Um, but, but not bio, but, not as far as biodynamic. Right. I don't think it, it quite covers, um, and I don't think it's regulated like organic or biodynamic is. Got it. And then, you know, when we look to Europe and countries over there, you know, we hear red wine doesn't stain your teeth over there because there's no chemicals or sugar. Do you know if the regulations are different over there? Is this true? I think in general, um, the regulations in Europe, even with regard to the food industry, they're a lot stricter. Um, And I'm not so sure what it is about the United States that makes us a lot more lax in what we allow in our products. But, um, that is, I think true in Europe. They don't, they don't allow nearly as many additives and chemicals in their wine as we do here. Um, but one of the big ones, and now you were just talking about staining your teeth is mega purple. Yep. Um, and that is one additive that is in particularly reds because it it enriches the color. So you particularly find that in red wines. Um, And a lot of people think that if they're drinking expensive wine, it's not in their wine, Mm. but it, it tends to not be limited to just the inexpensive wines. Um, And it's one thing that winemakers don't like to admit that they will add to their wine, but they are just falling into the, desire to, you know, just make sure that their wine has that little pop of color or maybe covers up a little bit of the imperfections that might've been in the wine from the fining process. And I think it's a lot more prevalent than people realize in their wine. Yeah. And I was reading somewhere that with mega purple, the consumer likes to see like, if it's a Cabernet Sauvignon, they want to see that like deep red color. And just visually, there's something there where it's like you want it to be a certain color. Same with rosé. You're like, oh, I want that bright pink. And so if it doesn't have that, you're maybe less drawn to it. And so just from a visual aesthetic perspective, I think that's one of the reasons. 
And then also I've read that um, with Mega Purple, it's again to appeal to the American palate because we are so addicted to sugar and a lot of the wines aren't sweet enough. And so we come to think that certain wines like a Riesling is always sweet. Like I remember always thinking like a Riesling or a Pinot Gris is always going to be sweet, but that's not necessarily the case, right? It could be that there's added sugar. Yeah. So Mega Purple does have some sugar in it. Um, So it not only affects the color, but it also affects the taste, which is one reason why the winemakers will Mm -hmm. do it. Um, Grapes are very susceptible. They're very finicky and they're very susceptible to weather conditions, changes year to year in the vineyard, not every harvest is going to be exactly the same year to year. But yet, if you go into the grocery store and you buy your, I'm trying to think of, you know, your barefoot cab off the grocery store shelf, it's going to taste the same today. It's going to taste the same Mm -hmm. in six months. It's going to taste the same next year. And that's because there is so much manipulation with those wines in the cellar. It, they, they just want to affect sameness so that you come, keep coming back and buying it. Um, right, and getting to market faster, so of, picking the grapes sooner when they're not ready, things like that. Yeah. yeah. Yes, because they can cover up any of the imperfections or the underripe grapes. They can cover it up in the cellar with these different additives, mega purple or some other additives. Um, what I found fascinating, one thing I learned once I started with Scout and Cellar is um, one organic vine, like one in a vineyard, one organic vine can produce two bottles of clean crafted wine, whereas a commercially farmed vineyard that might use chemicals or pesticides, they can get 10 bottles off of a vine. Wow. So that just really shows you how much is added and manipulated. That's pretty insane. On the back end with some of these commercial wines. That visual is really yeah. helpful, actually. Yeah, so you can get two bottles maybe from an organic vineyard off one wine, and you can get 10 if it's not organic. Well, we can wow. see why those brands want the 10. Right, exactly. It's it's just money. Um, but they can do that because they can cover up anything that's not right with those grapes with all these additives. Mm-hmm. So coming to the, the point about sugar, so we know that the wines that yeah. Scout and Cellar offers do not have added sugar which is pretty exciting for someone like me who has gut issues, who has been put on a sugar-free diet a lot. I'm told to avoid diet or I'm told to avoid sugar altogether. And I love wine. So this has been a really exciting thing to discover that there are even wines out there like that. Um, and so how, how is it that, that there is no sugar and uh, apparently, you know, I read that people on a ketogenic diet can even remain in ketosis while drinking this, this wine. So how is that possible? Um, well, yeah, Scout and Cellar will not add any sugar either during fermentation or after fermentation. Um, so there is a term, and I think I probably always say it wrong, chapitalization, which means that and I think California forbids this in their winemaking process, but other states, I think Oregon allows it. Um, you can add sugar during fermentation because that's what produces the alcohol 
So sometimes in order to get a higher yield of alcohol in the wine, people will add sugar during fermentation. Mm -hmm. Then you also have sugar that could be added after fermentation to boost the sweetness of the wine. So dessert wines, you mentioned Rieslings or Moscatos, wines that people traditionally feel are very sweet could have sugar added on the back end. Scout and Cellar does not allow either one. So any of the sugar that might be in the wine is just natural from the grapes. It's the residual sugar left after fermentation. And even then, most of our wines have maybe one gram or maybe two in a liter, and which is more than a bottle of wine. One bottle of wine is 750 milliliters. So if you're talking about one gram of sugar per liter, once you divide that up and pour a glass, there might be, you know, 0.2 grams of sugar in that glass. Um, so people who are, and I'm not a physician and I, I personally am not ketogenic, but I have heard directly from people who have had the wine that they will test their ketones before they test them during they've tested them the next day and they've managed to stay in ketosis. Wow. Now everybody's different. And so like somebody's, you know, somebody's body may be different and may metabolize it differently. But you're but. talking about a very small amount of sugar in wine because an average bottle of wine has yeah. how much? 15 grams or less of sugar? It can have, yeah, it can have anywhere from 15 to, you're talking about an entire yeah, bottle? Yeah, a whole bottle, a, a standard bottle of wine. Um, gosh, it can have upwards of, I think, 50 or 60 grams of sugar depending on the varietal, the variety of the wine. Yeah, depending on if it has mega purple added. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And I've actually read articles well, that lovely. say that depending on, so if we're talking about like champagne, since we're going into the holidays and champagne is very popular, um, come Thanksgiving through Christmas, all the holiday parties and New Year's, um, I was reading that one glass can contain a gram of sugar and then upwards of eight grams of sugar per glass. So if, if we're going on the high end, yep. there's what, almost five glasses in one bottle, right? One so bottle. five times eight. Yep. So that is about 40 grams potentially of sugar in a sweeter bottle of champagne. And yep. so, yes. and for women, um, the average woman shouldn't get more than about 25 grams. It's not recommended to have more than 25 grams of sugar in a day. So if you have three glasses of champagne, um, you're already there. Yeah. You're already there. So yeah. And for me, I used to get, I totally relate to the founder of this company because I used to get debilitating migraines and I used to drink a lot of mimosas on the weekends. And I discovered that it was a major trigger for me. And I don't, I think that a lot of people have sham have headaches after they drink champagne. But for me, it's like, even now, if I have a glass of champagne, I start to feel my head tense up and instantly just feel nauseous. I feel horrible. And honestly, this is one of the first sh glasses of champagne that I've been able to have in three years. I've had one other that didn't give me a headache. And I, I was almost scared to drink it because I mean, it's, it's so, I, it, I get PTSD. To, oh PTSD and I get completely taken down <laughs> by it and it ruins my whole next day and potentially my next week. So I love that there are options for people like where I was saying that have, that maybe have gut issues or have headaches, um, that we can have an, or that are trying to make a lifestyle change and not consume so much sugar. 
Well, and you don't want to, and this is kind of what I was talking about in the beginning, you don't want to have to change your whole lifestyle necessarily, or, you know, give up what you love or who you are just, just to try to, I think we, especially women, we like torture ourselves so much with, you know, oh, I shouldn't have had that glass of wine or like I did. Oh, I just undid everything I did at the gym today. And, you know, you don't have to do that. And there's a good balance. Yeah, it's sad. It's like, so if you are perfect and you don't have any alcohol, I mean, some people definitely don't drink and they're very happy that way, but I, I like wine, but I, you know, honestly, sometimes there is this guilt. It's like, oh, I shouldn't be having any, you know, if I'm going to be perfect, especially for me on like my, my gut health plan right. and everything, it's like, that's not really recommended, but it's actually not mostly recommended because of the sugar, but it's kind of like, but then right. I, I, because I like wine in my life, if I take it away, then I'm not very happy either. Mm -hmm. So we work so hard. We work out, we eat healthy, we do everything we can to feel our best. Can't we have small pleasures too? You know, it's the same for dessert and these other things. It's about finding the best swap out. And I think that's kind of what we're finding here and what we're excited about. It's like, this is a swap out for those high sugar wine brands. And you know, Jess Absolutely. gifted me one last weekend for a birthday I was going to, and it was actually really sweet. And it's one of the, so it was almost more like a Riesling, but it's a, nat- so I, I was curious, I don't want this to be like a curveball for you because I know, I don't even know what one it was, but like, how is it that some can be so naturally sweet? Um, I, and girl, and let me just say, and if you have kids out there, giving up wine is not realistic. I'll just yeah. tell you. <laughs> if you have um, children. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, and I think with the residual sugars, I think, and this is where like a small yay or of somebody who's professional would be able to answer that better. But I think it's, it probably comes down to when they stop the fermentation mm-hmm. process. So you can ferment to full dryness, which means just about all of the sugar, even the naturally occurring sugar from the grapes has been fermented into alcohol. But if you don't ferment to full dryness, it's going to be a little sweeter because there's still going to be some of that residual mm-hmm. sugar mm-hmm. left. And the one great thing about our website too, that I was talking about earlier that you can see all the wines, it tells you for each wine, it tells you the alcohol content. It tells you the residual sugar in the bottle. You can look at before you order and know exactly what those nutrition parameters are for the wine that you're oh, awesome. Yeah, and I just have to say that this is also really liberating for people who who have high blood sugar levels, you know, that have to really watch their intake of sugar um, for medical reasons or that um, potentially have sensitivities, whether it's an autoimmune, a gut issue, like we said, um, skin issues, I mean, hormonal Mm -hmm. imbalances. There's so many reasons why reducing sugar can be extremely beneficial. And it can be really hard though, because it does often mean making a drastic lifestyle change and something that I'm so passionate about as a holistic health coach And I even have a sugar cleanse. It's a 20-day sugar cleanse to help people kick sugar. And this is a wine that I can actually recommend for people and they can still do the sugar cleanse. And obviously you want to drink responsibly, not drinking a whole bottle a night. Right. You can have a a glass of wine or two. And if you have, you know, a party Mm -hmm. coming up or a celebration, it's like, take this out, you know, introduce your friends to it. And you don't have to feel you're still 
drink, you know, you're still having a drink with people and you're, you know, potentially focusing more on being present and not either overdoing it and, you know, having multiple glasses of wine because you're just deciding, oh, it's a party, screw it, I'm going to go all out or restricting yourself and kind of feeling resentful in the moment because you really wish you could be doing that too. Um, well, it's so social. You're not having to give up that, feel like you're going to this party, but you're abstaining. It's it's such a social, why yeah. so social? Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want to yeah. give that up. And my dad was just recently diagnosed with diabetes. You talk about the blood sugar level. So he and my mom have always been huge wine drinkers. And so he was thinking here he had to give up his, even his red wine, which has less sugar typically than white wine. But um, now he can, like you said, he doesn't have to give it up completely. He can still be responsible with it, but not give up something that he's always loved. And I'm wondering, just because I'm going on a wine tasting weekend to Santa Barbara in a few weekends. And I'm wondering <laughs> on the Scott and Seller site, are there um, sort of like guides to wineries that are, you know, fit these criteria? Um, that That's funny. I don't, it's not on our website and it's funny, a bunch of just within the, the team of consultants, we've all been sort of asking for that, um, asking, if there's a way that we can arrange tours or go see some of these vineyards and these winemakers that are providing the wines yeah, that are selling. I mean, so I that might maybe that's a silly question because at the same time, the whole business is like you're providing scouting these wines. And so you don't right. necessarily, maybe they wouldn't want to promote people going and then just going around the whole process, but you can still, it's, it's educating just knowing and seeing these labels of these, these wines that are approved. That's one way to figure out, you know, maybe where you can get some of these mm-hmm. wines or buy a bottle of Scout and Cellar and see if they'll let you and just bring it. Yeah. Open it at a winery. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they may not appreciate that, but yeah, but, but I mean, I can go into this weekend now armed with the knowledge of what to maybe I can look up wineries that are organic, like know what I'm looking for. You know, that's what I do before I go wine tasting is I'll do some research online for which wineries are biodynamic or organic and then kind of create the map of where we're going based around some of those wineries. And a lot of times those ones are actually really aesthetically more beautiful too. Mm. I find that. Well, and that's the thing. Some of these, yeah, some of these wineries that you see, you know, that make the picture postcards, you know, beautifully, perfectly manicured. Well, they may be that way because they're using the chemicals mm-hmm. to keep down the weeds. And um, whereas I think if you go to any of the vineyards that Scout and Cellar wines come from, they're going to look a little more ragged or shagged mm-hmm. because they have the weeds, they have the chickens, they're biodynamic yeah. or they're just not going to be aesthetically pretty. Yeah. But yeah, our parents are actually members out of winery in Oregon. Is it Stoller? That I think so. Soder. It's either Soder or Stoller. I get confused <laughs> between the two. I'm pretty sure it's Soder, but they are, I think it's one of the first like lead certified, um, wineries and then also biodynamic organic and it's gorgeous and you can really oh my gosh so pretty they have like a falconer who will be out there um and then they have a kitchen where it's all organic um foods like they have a full menu and a tasting menu and it comes from their organic farm which is also on the property so it's really cool to see that everything that they're using is coming from the land but 
See, I would love to go on a wine yeah. tour like that. Well, it'll be interesting to see how things develop with Scott and Seller. I'm sure if you and other consultants are requesting that, that maybe that can be a reality. Definitely. That would be Yeah, fabulous. but I think too, you know, in all of these conversations, it's important. I don't want anyone to feel overwhelmed. Like you can't go wine tasting somewhere that's not organic or biodynamic. Like right. again, we have to be realistic with how we live our lives. So maybe the way I will approach this, especially after this conversation is, okay, most likely I'm going to go to the wineries that we've already decided we want to go to. Right. If I can find a good one, I'm going to do my research now for sure and see what I can find. But if not, I'm going to for sure bring a couple of bottles for dinner. You know, that's where, that's where you, that's the smartest thing that you can control because yeah as we talked about earlier, these, these wine bottles are marked up on restaurant menus. So you're going to pay about the same or if not less by bringing your own. So that's one thing I can control. So just encouraging people to think about like, where, where can you just make these little tweaks that don't really make you feel really inconvenienced, um, or just small steps until you feel like maybe you are completely organic and completely biodynamic, but like not feeling like you have to overhaul everything right away. Yeah. And I think too, I mean, for me, I love margaritas. So if I go out to a restaurant, a Mexican restaurant, I'm probably going to enjoy my margarita that has a little extra sugar, maybe ask for less sugar in it. But then if I'm going to be going out to a restaurant that has wine, I might as well bring that bottle of wine. So enjoy my Mexican food with my margarita. And then when I'm having wine, you know, bring the good stuff and just balance it out that way. Or if you're having a picnic, bring a bottle of wine or bring the canned wine that Scout and Cellar has too, which Ooh, is yeah, really I'm cool. Try that. Oh, and we have some more cans coming out. We have some, I believe they're coming out next week or maybe the following week. So we do have um, some sparkling coming in cans, I believe. And we have some reds Ooh, coming in cans. those would be good stocking so. stuffers. Ooh, yeah. Yes, yeah, so for future gifts. I'm always, like I said with, earlier with the kids, I'm always thinking. Yeah, because this episode's going to come out around the holidays. So we definitely wanted to touch on maybe even some of your fa- fa- favorite ones that you offer. Yeah. Well, we just... October 1st, so just a few days ago, released our holiday gift sets and they are amazing. I am, I've ordered a few just to get my hands on them and I haven't gotten them yet, but, um, we have, I don't even know how many off the top of my head, at least a dozen different gift boxed gift sets of wine, anywhere from one bottle to four bottles. We have sparkling, we have reds, we have whites, um, and they look amazing. They come in this beautiful box. They all come with tasting cards. And particularly for people who do corporate giving, if you have businesses where you're giving corporate gifts anyway, and particularly if you're in a health conscious business, I think it makes amazing, an amazing yeah, that's gift. That's a great, a great idea. Um, when just to, to run, circle back to this uh, question from before, what, so for Scout and Cellar, so we know there's no added sugar with any of them. Are they all organic and are they all, what is the criteria? Yes. So every, every wine is organic grape to bottle. It is organic in the vineyard. The grapes are are organic. The entire process is organic. They do not allow any of these additives um, that are typically allowed. They don't allow mega purple they don't allow um, any of the normal fining agents that can be used 
in the fermentation process. And which I don't think a lot of people realize um, what can be added just during the what's called the fining process. So most wine, when it's made, comes out very cloudy. But we as consumers, we like our wine to just be perfectly clean and crystal clear. It's the aesthetics. Um, so what they do is they, um, a lot of winemakers will add different agents to the wine that helps those, those particles clump out and are filtered out more easily. A lot of people who are vegan don't realize that their wines may not be vegan. One of the big fining agents that winemakers will use are egg products. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah, I've um, heard that before. Fish <laughs> yeah. Um, they might use chitin, which is um, like from sea animals, crustaceans, like mm-hmm. the shells from crustaceans. They might use fish yeah, bladders. Um, There are a lot of products that are added and granted they're filtered back out, but if you are hardcore vegan, you don't want any of that in your wine, but people don't realize that that can also be in their wine. So Scout and Cellar basically does not allow um, any of those chemical additives that might be added in order to pull out the other additives that they've put in there. And less sulfites as well overall. Yes, lower. So I think commercially available wine is they are allowed to have up to 350 parts per million. I think that's the the right number. And I can double check that. But um, Scout and Cellar, the average wine from Scout and Cellar has less than 50. That's incredible. But definitely all have less than That's going to make a huge difference in how you feel. And, And two, I wanted to touch on tannins. Because that's a big one that I think you hear thrown around a lot. Like, oh, it's the tannins that are giving me the headache. Or this one is low in tannins or whatever. So can you touch on tannins? Yeah, so tannins are naturally occurring as well. Tannins are, um, it's it's naturally occurring in the skins of the grape, in the seeds of the grape, and also in the stems. But often, you know, the stems are removed and not involved in the fining process at all. But um, red wines that are fermented with the skins, which is what gives red wine their color, um, tend to be have higher tannins, but that provides the structure of the wine. It's, it's what makes the red wine taste and feel more mm-hmm. bold on the palate. Um, but there are, there are powdered tannins that some winemakers will add to their wine to try to affect that structure artificially. Um, we don't allow any of that. It's all naturally occurring from the skins of the grape and from the seeds of the grape. really good to know. Do you know any of the health side effects of higher tannins? I don't, and I don't know. I'll have to say I don't, I don't know. Now that might be why some people feel, um, worse if they Yeah, I know for sure it can be, um, because it is a chemical compound, even though it is naturally occurring, um, Mm -hmm. it can be a major migraine trigger for people. And I know that that's something I did an elimination diet for my migraines. And that is something that is eliminated very quickly. Um, at least the added tannins. So I think what you're saying, the naturally occurring ones in Scout and Cellar, those would be completely fine. Um, 
but the addition would be a trigger for people that are sensitive. Yeah, so so there is a, such a thing as, as powdered tannin that winemakers can add to the wine, and that might be what. what yeah, people. I mean, for some people, potentially even a scout and cellar red with natural tannins could be a bit of a trigger. But I think knowing that that's the only source, at least for me, again, I can drink the red wine from Scout and Cellar and I'm okay. And I was extremely sensitive. I had to completely eliminate red wine. So to be able to have that back and to have champagne back is really liberating, I will say. (laughs) Well, and there are definitely reds that are lighter in tannins. There's there's definitely a spectrum. So you're your, your lighter reds, like your Pinot Noirs, won't have as much tannin in them as a Cabernet mm-hmm. Sauvignon, which is much bolder and more structured. So even for people who feel like they're sensitive to tannins, if they maybe migrate towards that one end of the spectrum for reds, the Pinot Noirs, the, the Grenache, the Zinfandels, they might not have as That's much of an enough. issue. So you mentioned actually before we started the call that, uh, you have really, you know, been self-taught with a lot of this, that you've done your research, obviously with your consultancy with Scout and Cellar, you're just learning so much and being educated by them. But I actually love that. I mean, this isn't your day job. I love that you have just really empowered yourself with this knowledge that is so easy for us to learn and, for those who want to take it a step further and do their own research and learn about, you know, clean wine, what are some resources that have been helpful for you? There is now in just regards to wine in general, there is a fantastic book. Um, it's called the wine Bible. It's by Karen. Yeah, we have that. It looks, yeah, do you I've have never that? read it, but we have it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it looks really intimidating. It's huge. It's thick. It looks intimidating, but it's so user-friendly. Um, she's really laid it out very well, organized it very well. You don't have to read it cover to cover, but you can, she makes it really easy to just go to one specific section. If you want to read about one particular grape or one particular region, it's really easy to find. Um, and she does have a section in the beginning that's very readable that talks about the winemaking process in general. Um, so that's one of my favorite resources for just wine in general. Um, with regards to clean wine, it's just been sort of piecing together information from a bunch of different resources. Like I mentioned in the beginning, it's, it's just so hard. Wine is it's controlled or it kind of falls under the umbrella of so many different industries. Um, it's really just a matter of trying to, to read or find the information about, about those different, uh, those different branches, like with the organic and biodynamic and knowing what you're looking for. It's hard because there isn't one central depository for this information. But I mean, people can start with the bottles that they have at home or look on a site like Scout and Cellar and look at how the information's broken down and, and start to understand what they are even looking for. I need to certainly do that. Turn over the yeah. label of the bottles we have at home and see if it has any of these things that should be, should yeah. be on there. Yeah. And even just well, the one thing you may, I'm sorry, the one thing you may see is the sulfite. So if it has more than 10 parts per million, it does have to say on the label because so many people are sensitive to sulfites. 
contain sulfites. But again, it's not going to have a level. It'll just say okay. Yeah, sulfites. so I guess as a good kind of last question is if you were to give people something to take with them, if they are going to go to the grocery store and look at a bottle of wine, like what specifically we've covered them, but how can we break it down? So they're looking for, you know, the organic label, um, certified organic, mm-hmm. and then what else would you say? Like what other two top things would you have them look for? Um, I, I would say definitely the, I mean, that's a good place to start. If you are going to, if you're going out tomorrow, you don't have time to get online and order and wait for your shipment. Um, definitely look for an organic label. Um, that's a good place to start because at least, you know, the grapes started organically, even if you don't know perhaps what happened in the rest of the process. Um, there are low sulfite wines out there before I discovered scout and cellar, I would go and just try to find at least low sulfite mm-hmm. wines. Um, so they are out there, but again, low sulfite to a commercially available wine might just be, you know, less than that 350 number. And when you're out at a restaurant asking if they have any organic wines, and then I find that it's helpful, at least when it comes to the sugar side of things, asking for a dry rosé or a dry white wine, that generally is a much better option if you are, you know, sensitive to the higher sugar. Yeah. So yes, you're right. So wines that are dry, um, are going to have less sugar in them than the wines that um, are obviously sweeter on the palate. But you're, so that's why typically your reds are going to be drier and your reds are typically going to be, um, contain a little less sugar in them okay. than your whites. Great. So what are you most excited about yeah. right now with your partnership or your uh, work with Scout and Cellar? And is there anything that's upcoming that you'd like to mention or promote? Um, I, I just, I'm just super excited that I found, and like you both, that I found a wine that I can feel good about drinking now that's not going to compromise, you know, my health and my fitness. Um, we are entering the fourth quarter and the fourth quarter historically is off the chain for alcohol and wine sales. Um, these gift boxes are coming out. So I really am excited about, um, just entering this fourth quarter in the holidays and helping people take good, clean crafted wine to their holiday celebrations, to their Thanksgiving dinners. It's going to be. Oh a yeah. Good few I'm months. really excited to buy gifts because this is very unique. And I think people will be really surprised that it's sugar-free and so healthy. Yeah. It's just a great idea for a holiday gift. I even love the idea of if you want to do the membership of splitting it with a family member or a friend. Yeah. Can you, can you describe for anyone who is interested in uh, the membership or how it works? Absolutely. So you can sign up if you, if you're honest with yourself and you think about how many bottles of wine you drink in a month, um, we have memberships that are super flexible, so you can order either six or 12 and it doesn't even have to be monthly. It can be monthly. It can be every other month. It can even be once a quarter. And we have with our memberships that six and 12 bottles, a red, a white, or a mixed. So it's super flexible. You can either order 12 bottles every other month. You can get six once a quarter. 
Um, just it's really easy to tailor to your lifestyle and however mm-hmm. much you drink in any given month. And with all of the wine clubs, you get an extra coupon in there for 10% off. Yeah, that's and what I have a lot of customers do is they'll order their wine club every other month and get the curated wine club from Scout and Cellar. But then on their off months, they will use that coupon to get online and order a la carte and stock up on their favorites. I really like that. I was just thinking too, as you were saying, when you go out to a restaurant and you order a glass of wine, it's usually about 14 to $17. If you have two glasses of wine, that's above the amount that one bottle would cost and a membership. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Great. So how can people yeah. keep in touch with you and or Scott and, uh, find Scott and Seller? I am on Instagram and Facebook. Mm-hmm. My Instagram and Facebook handles are actually the same. It's redhead.fitwine, F-I-T, wine. Um, and it's, so I'm on Instagram that way or facebook.com slash redhead.fitwine. And scoutandseller.com slash Andrea LeClaire. Right. How do you spell that? A-N-D-R-E-A-L-E-C-L-A-I-R. So we might be sending some people your way through DM to ask some questions. Yes. And um, I know that this isn't going to air for a little while, but when it does, I'll be sure to jump on and any resources that I find that I think would be super helpful for your audience. I'll be sure to comment and leave those resources there. This has been so informative. Thank you for making the time. We're really, really looking forward to sharing this information. Yep. About to go buy my Christmas gifts. Well, probably Thanksgiving first. (laughs) Oh, great. I enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Bye. Well, I hope you learned something new and interesting about clean wine from this episode. And I don't know about you, but I am definitely going to be ordering some wine for the holidays. Me too. And if you like this episode, we'd love if you could screenshot it, tag us on Instagram at solo 2.0 podcast, and we will share it as well. And if you're enjoying our podcast so far, we hope you'll subscribe and leave us a positive review so we can continue bringing on guests you want to hear from and grow this community. But don't go yet. Next week, we will be sending a special gift to one of our listeners who has left a review. If you want this to be you, make sure to leave your first name and last initial when you write a review and we'll share it in our stories and include your name in our Instagram post next Wednesday. So if you see your name, make sure to DM us so we can ship out your gift right away. This week, our guest, Andrea from Scout and Cellar, is sending one lucky listener who is at least 21 years old a two-bottle sparkling gift set just in time for your holiday celebrations. If the sparkling isn't available in your state, you can gift your set to a friend, friend or family member in another state, or Andrea can help with other options. Thank you for listening. And remember, even if nothing feels right today, you tuning into this podcast and opening your mind is enough. Change doesn't happen overnight, so be patient and kind to yourself and good things will come. See you next time.